0: Live from London, this is The Breakfast Show with James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning. Uh, Welcome.
1: It's Wednesday. It's the Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show. I hope you are just as excited as I am to be listening in or joining me today, this afternoon, whenever you're listening. Today, we're talking all about teaching PSHE and sex education to those with additional needs. Have you had experience in it? Do you want to share? Well, tune in and talk it out with me
0: on the Wednesday morning breakfast show. Live from London. This is The Breakfast Show with James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio.
1: Good morning, hello and welcome. Hope we're all okay Hope we're ready for your breakfast show at me in Park. It is absolutely fantastic to be here and I'm very excited for today's topic. but I do have a couple of stories to share with you just because what a week it's been. Christmas has anybody if you celebrate Christmas um got their advent calendar started that is the question I'm very upset today that I do not actually own an advent calendar this year yet I kind of get to the point where I kind of wait for the sales get it in the sales I'm not sure if that's um the best thing to do or not but that's what I do that's what I do anyway it's kind of get it a sale, get it nice and cheap, and then it's sorted, isn't it? Um, but then you also realise that, you know, 30 days have already pa- already passed, and it's coming to the end of December, but it's all right. I normally get one for my form class as well. And again, I always forget to do it. Um, I say I always get one. I always intend to get one uh, and then forget. In fact, one year, I think it's my first year of teaching, I actually brought two. I brought two advent calendars. Like not even a cheap, like, milky... Um, Cadbury Milk one, I bought like two actual um advent calendars that had like fun things in them I think one might have been a toy, one potentially but one was one of those bean boozled things and I went to go and uh, give it to them and I just, I just kept forgetting to take it in so it sat on my side in my house for about well, it sat on my side throughout all December and then I was like, do you know what, it's fine I'll give it to them next year Check the date. I was like, no problem. Still in date. When to go? Give it to them again. What happened? Of course, I forgot. Uh, so all my intentions have always been there, but never quite executed it the way I planned. But there we go. Um, that's not what the show is about today, and that's not what we're discussing. However, this week has just been a little bit crazy. So I was camping at the weekend, and while I was camping at the weekend, great time. Kids really enjoyed it. Lots of fun. But I've managed to do something to my back to oh, to the point. So if I make random noises um, throughout this show, it's literally because I've got something done to my back. I want to say sciatica, it might be that I can't remember. Um, but something where basically one side of it, you know, at the bottom of the back, I've done like the disc or something, or some fluids leaked through. I don't know. They make it sound really simple when they tell it to uh, uh, your GP. But um, yeah, so I've done something to it. So now and again, I'm like, oh, I'm a bit in pain, but it's okay. We will soldier through, we will soldier through. It did though get to the point that I couldn't, so I'm 25 and I didn't think I'd be getting to this point in my life, but I couldn't get out of the car Um, when we got back to where we were, to our house from the camp and I couldn't get back to the car. So I was literally in the car, <laughs> like in a lot of pain and my housemate had to basically help me out the car so there i was sat in put one foot out and bam i could not move and i was like this is ridiculous this is uh, this is absolutely ridiculous what i'm like 25 and i can't get out i've got to boy i can't get out of the car i managed to get out eventually obviously i've been stuck there all weekend and then i got out of the car and i go up the stairs and i can't get myself into the bed (laughs) So my housemate, again, had to help me get into bed. I get into bed, then realise I need to pee, and then I can't get out of bed again. Um, So they had to come and help me get out of bed again. So there we go. Back pain is not the one for me this week. But it's okay. We'll carry on. Today's show, though, we are talking all about PSHE, uh, personal social health education, uh, or economic education. And in particular also and um, sex education always love talking about a bit of sex education on uh the wednesday morning breakfast show who does want that on the wednesday morning but more particularly with this we're looking at actually working with children with additional needs and how you approach approach some of those subjects particularly which can be deemed a little bit more challenging um with that sort of uh, age group and with those sort of uh, needs in mind um you know how do you you know have those or hold those conversations with someone who might potentially be uh, non-verbal or is unable to stay in the space or you know might not even be aware um or have the same knowledge or awareness that perhaps somebody their own age might have had um through conversations prior so we'll be discussing all of those things i'm very excited to hopefully later on today have a, a very close friend of mine and guest um suzanne few who's going to be with me uh, helping me navigate my way through this topic and sort of discuss Their opinion on it all as well for now though we'll start with the your wednesday morning news and i'll be back very shortly afterwards here you go
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn
2: on monday the government recommended the wearing of face masks in communal areas and corridors in schools in response to the Omicron variant. Teachers are now urging that this recommendation becomes a mandatory ruling as it now is on public transport and in shops. Head teachers feel the advice for schools makes it difficult to enforce and teachers would like the guidance extended to classrooms. Dr. Mary Bowstedt, NEU Joint General Secretary said COVID does not recognise the difference between a corridor and a classroom and a failure to require face coverings in both areas in secondary schools is a misstep in the latest guidance. Dr Patrick Roach N A S U W T General Secretary agreed if schools are to maintain safety during the remainder of this term the government will need to accept that its messaging needs to be stronger. Face coverings have been mandatory in Scottish classrooms since November 2020. In Scotland, educational institutes are increasingly introducing gender-neutral toilet facilities. Schools in Dundee, East Renfrewshire and Edinburgh have all introduced these facilities Following warnings in 2019 from Scottish National Party politicians and by the Scottish Equality and Human Rights Commission that schools would leave themselves open to lawsuits if they did not provide them. Parents across Scotland have, however, raised concerns over gender neutral toilets in secondary schools, which can see 12 year old girls and 18 year old men sharing facilities. Harry Scott Scottish Borders councillor said, why is it not possible to have male, female and gender neutral toilets which would cater for the needs of everyone? Why can that not be achieved in our schools? This has been your daily education news briefing.
1: Good morning, welcome back to the Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show, with me, Jane Clark. Now, did anyone get anything good in the Black Friday sales? The only thing i bought this year was the 2.5 kilograms of uh, celebrations and choices. This morning, we are talking all about PSHE sex education for those young people who have additional needs. Good morning, welcome. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for joining. Um, and today, as I mentioned, just briefly there in the music, um, which I'm always aware, like I get too into it. I never know if anyone can hear me over the top of it. Um, we are looking at uh, how we talk about um, those sort of subjects with RSHE, PSHE, um, skills for life, personal development, however you label it in your school, um, and looking at those topics of sex education, and particularly uh, with children with additional needs. And I was just having a look during the break there, and yesterday at kind of some some resources out there in sort of conversations and there's this quote here and i just i just love this one um from the sex education forum and it says and of course there are you know loads of companies out there and loads of resources you could go to and this was done in connection with uh, mencap um, and they said all children are entitled to relationships and sex education this entitlement is enshrined in the un convention on the rights of the children which established that all young people have the same right to enjoy their sexuality within the highest attainable standard of health, free of coercion and violence, and to access quality sexuality education and sexual health advice. And I just kind of go, yes, absolutely. Um, You kind of like, if I could do an emoji, or if I was emoji right now, it would be the one with the two hands that go up in the air and I'm like, yes, love it. Relationship uh, education in primary schools and relationship and sex education in secondary schools will be compulsory in England. And that was from September 2020. So every school should be doing it now. And this kind of formed a lot under the Equality Act and also the Children and Families Act of 2014. There's a short guide which they've kind of, um, uh, kind of produced here. And in practice, there is a significant overlap between disabled pupils and pupils with special additional needs. That's the end, and throughout this guide, They help to sort of talk to you about both of those. So they refer to it as S-E-N-D. Now those are the topics that you need to cover within this sort of uh, area, in case you are listening to the show and you've never sort of approached it before, or you're listening to the show thinking actually, I want to get some advice and help but actually where to start with all this. Well, the reason some of the things we start, we talk about it is, you know, looking at personal care, hygiene, those relationships and sexual education, appropriate behaviour, including addressing sexualized behaviour, um, consent, uh, touch, um, and also all of those other topics you might explore through safeguarding as well. Um, now, there's a few questions that they've answered on this document, and I'm just going to pull a few of these out, because as I say, you can find this online, and I really do um, recognise, re- is that a word? Re- recommend that you have a look at this. Um there's a question here that someone said um I'm just trying to find the one that is here. Yes. Yeah, so what is the most effective model of delivery? And we've had loads of discussion about this, how you know whether you have it as drop down days, whether you have it as um timetable lessons, whether you do this, whether you do that. I mean there are a multitude of ways which is done um in various schools uh, all over the place. And he, they answered this with, as with all pupils, RSE RSA for pupils with SEND should be part of a lifelong learning and begin at reception slash school entry and continue throughout formal education and beyond. Start with core concepts such as public and private, using correct terms for private parts of the body, an understanding of rights re- relating to the bodies, Rules relating to touch, positive friendship, respect, and consent. Appropriate RSC, RSC should be provided for pupils at all levels of development, and this is this is the This is absolutely true because I think you know a few people that I've spoke to, and and when I've started planning um, RSC, and I do this in a mainstream school, so I'm very aware it's very different. But even being in a mainstream school. Um, and not an SEN sort of D or SEN specialist school, Special Educational Needs special, um, Specialist School. You know, I always panicked and kind of thought, actually, how do we have these conversations uh, around, gosh, around sex, around consent, around touch, particularly with young people who find just their own awareness of themselves extremely difficult. I had a lesson where I was talking about male puberty with a classroom of boys and one of the students in the room at the time, who had very high functioning autism, really struggled and couldn't cope with some of the analogy and the wording and and what we're discussing. And, you know, we were talking about boners, you know, erections and that that sort of term, correct term, you know, they're referring to them as boners, none of them knew what that meant. And anyway, we were talking about this um those who are tuning in this morning i think, thinking what on earth are we talking about today um we were talking about it and they just got really upset because the way that i was obviously communicating it and the way it was coming across was you know it made them feel like they said oh my goodness i'm going to have an erection for the rest of my life it's never going to go down and really got into a panic about it and got really really upset by it and i was like oh my goodness how did we get to this so, you know what did i say or what did i do that we got to this and it just made me realize that you know the way you perhaps deliver it verbally or you know with some form of imagery or diagrams or papers or whatever or reading material is really really important because in that situation you know, somehow the conversation that we had had they took everything very very literally um, which, of course, is, is quite a common commonality with somebody with autism. Let's have a look at this question then. What is different about RSC, RSC for pupils with SEND? And this is another question that I was kind of leaning onto there when discussing actually what is the difference between it and what do I need to do differently? In essence, the curriculum and topics covered are similar to RSC with mainstream pupils, however. The pace and detail of topics may be different. And pupils may need lots of support to generalize their learning outside of these lessons and support to personalize the learning to their own relationships, behaviors, and maturation. It may be appropriate to revisit topics more frequently with pupils of SEND to support over learning which means practicing and embedding the new skills so the learner retains the learning beyond the initial success and development mastery. For new and abstract topics, government guidance acknowledge that there may be need for school to tailor content and teaching to meet the specific needs of pupils at different development stages. The guide also acknowledges the greater vulnerability to boot bullying, exploitation, and other issues for pupils with SCND. For example, older pupils and earlier level development are more vulnerable and therefore have greater need to be informed and supported in RSC. We recommend caution in omitting content, encouraging teachers of learners with SCND to differentiate learning to development ability wherever possible, rather than limit the topics covered. And that is very true because I think you know, and we look look at this. It, I, you know, we look at it in two strands, but then I, I would argue that actually it's, it all comes under the same thing because actually, you know, there are certain schools or, or school might look at topics in the mainstream school under the RSE requirements, uh, relationship sex education requirements, and go actually, or we won't include this, or they'd focus more on this, or we'll do a bit of this. And there are always going to be more certain areas that you focus in on more than you do the others. So just being aware of that and, you know, some people might argue in certain settings or with certain children with SEND that actually oh, they can't manage this, that they won't be able to manage that, they, they won't cope, you know, oh, they won't understand that, you know, this and that, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, you know, you need to have those conversations and you, they need to learn it, otherwise you are dictating uh, what they're learning rather than giving you the opportunity for that. I'm going to give you a, a short break now an advertisement from one of our sponsors. And then we're just going to touch back on another experience I had of uh, working with some young people with uh, an array of additional needs. When we started talking about emotions and mental health, another really important topic, not just within the field of relationship sex education or PSHE, but actually much wider in, in life, really, kind of those conversations around mental health and, and well being. So here is, until then, a short advert from our
0: sponsor. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppy's Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics.
1: Good morning, and welcome back to the Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show. With me, Jane Clark, here on Teachers Talk Radio. Wherever you're listening, and whenever you're listening, thank you for joining us. We are discussing PSHC, sex education, to those young people with additional needs or disabilities. Thank you for coming on today and and listening in, tuning in, uh, being with us, etc, etc. And if you are listening to this show and thinking, oh my goodness, I want to get involved, I want to have my own show. Well, you can do that. All you need to do is head over to TTRadio.org. I'll get the website there eventually for you. And also um, contact us via there or via our Twitter at TTRadio2021. There you'll find all the information you need to get involved, to tune in, talk it out on your own show. There are always uh, gaps and opportunities for you to come and join us and take on one of those slots, which would be absolutely amazing to have you on board. There are loads of uh, amazing shows that are consistently happening across Teach Talk Radio. So really do make sure you get involved with those. And there are more shows happening uh, later on today and this week. So you'll find all of our schedule on there. So really do go have a look at that. I'm just looking at you know um, some shows that are coming up today. We've got the Late Late Show at 10 to 11 um, with Ed Finch and Toby Payne Cook got a duo I love a, a duo what a great word that is Um, the show's happening throughout the week and did you know that we hit uh, 300,000 downloads on it which is absolutely amazing in in under a year to have achieved that so in the words of um our founder um, at Roger's history tom rogers says a, you know a staggering achievement by the at tt radio 2021 team and a huge thanks to everyone who has listened in and made it all possible and we absolutely the staff do decorating your door or ECMA's jumper. Uh, so tune in for that to find out more about what's happening there. And that kind of follows the very interesting Department for Education posts. Um, your children's nativity school can go ahead as long as there's COVID restrictions, etc., etc. I don't think they've probably been in the school for a little while, but there we go. Um, just to say though, as well, you know, talking more about these ideas of, of delivering and, and teaching um, RSHE, PSHE, skills, the life, however you word it in your schools, um, to young people with additional needs. One of the things you know, that I really remember doing and delivering was a workshop. Uh, and I did this twice, I think, a workshop around talking about uh, emotions and what emotions are and what they look like and how someone might feel in a particular emotion. And when we first did it, um, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to be able to do this lesson, do this, you know, quite in-depth uh, discussion with some young people who, you know, really struggled to concentrate for a set period of time. Um, some were, were non-verbal at that point and, you know, didn't even understand their own emotions, let alone understanding, you know, how emotions make others feel and one of the things that i've really learned and i learned this from doing the work that i do as as a drama teacher and the training that i did there was actually how effective um using you know drama can be particularly with young people uh with autism when it comes to puppetry and using puppets and I'd never really understood that why. And so I started doing some more work in it a few years ago. And and when you understand it, it makes complete sense. So the idea is that actually the, the face is so complicated. Like, oh, the human face, the expressions we make, the things we do with it, you know, it, it's really difficult to understand. You know, even, you yeah. know, most people would say whether, you know, they, they say or they've been Diagnose or they would they have autism or or not is irrelevant to this point because you know loads of us would say actually to understand what somebody is feeling or saying based on their faces you know you can say one thing but do something different with your face and it's yeah it's complicated you know hundreds of muscles or if not more in that face really difficult so actually taking the emotions away from the face and putting them onto an object so i think we did sock puppets i think yeah, you know, and getting them to think about actually what let's imagine, let's take one emotion and when this is what we did, we did the emotion of, of sad, happy, those sort of things. And we had our sock puppets, and it's about going, actually, well, what colour do we think someone might be if they're angry and getting them to associate the colours and emotions with this object. And then getting to think, actually, you know, okay, what are they going to look like if they're feeling this way? And suddenly, you know, when they bring this puppet to life, which arguably to the naked eye or or anybody that hasn't been in a room might just look like a normal sock puppet, they can put their emotions into slash onto this object. So suddenly this sock puppet that does have a googly eye, it's probably half dangling off with my dodgy PVA glue and, you know, a few bits of... um, Scrap bit of uh, fabric that I've found that we can stick on it. You know, suddenly this actually they're bringing it to life, and the way they make it move and the way they give it a voice, it becomes, in a way, them projecting their emotions onto them. And they found that so much easier. So that was my experience of kind of actually working in an environment. And this was the environment where I was working with young people from the ages of about five um, up to the ages of about 21 or 22 with. A whole array, of, you know, of, of additional needs from um, autism to cerebral palsy to um, behavioural difficulties, ADHD, Asperger's. So there's a whole array of um, young people I was working with, and each one was was obviously very unique and very different, as we all are. But that is my biggest tip, and my biggest sort of takeaway to anybody is actually, you know, don't forget what we all enjoy like and don't forget that actually using other techniques uh, in a classroom that are that are active that are engaging that are different are just as important to help the learning of any child not just those with SEND and in that moment puppetry has become such an important part of the work that I do not just uh, in PSHE but you know, particularly in what I do as a drama teacher, because working in a mainstream school where, you know, in a classroom, you know, you've got 30 kids, 25 kids, however many you've got, that has a whole array of, you know, particularly in the the young years where they're taught in their classes, you know, the same classes, you know, you've got a whole array of kids there and actually puppetry is so much easier for people to understand and use particularly when when coming to emotions. That's my rant anyway. Uh, and my advocate for, my advocate, Advo, advocation, advocation. That is a word, yes. My advocation, um, oh, I'm impressed myself today for the use of puppetry there and how I tackled those subjects. Now, I know later on today, very shortly, um, I'm hoping to be joined by Suzanne, who's going to call in. Uh, and Suzanne Few is a deputy head at a uh, school for those with additional needs. And she has so many stories to, to share and tell uh, that I know will be absolutely amazing. But I also know she's had to just deal with some staffing, uh, <laughs> which is always the way. Um, you know, it's it's always the, the joys of being, uh, I'm sure SLT, and deal with those things. So while we're waiting for Sudan to join us, let's just run through again some of these uh, suggested top tips and some of these things and questions that have come from this document from the R uh, from the Sex Education Forum, um, which has been in, done in connection with MenCap and also the National Children's Bureau. Um, one of the things they talk about here is how you get started with this and one of the big things and i had this conversation with my line manager actually this last week and that is ensuring that you are always using correct language for private body parts my goodness i did not know there were so many (laughs) like words slang words uh, whatever you want to call them I don't even think I could begin to start repeating them live on air Um, I think people start choking on their um what you call it there's cornflakes or anything but my goodness there are so many slang words out there and this goes back to the story that I said right at the start of the show when I was talking about this this young person who was really struggling with um when I was talking about erections and you know in their mind, in a way they were processing it due to their autism, was convinced that I was sailing them they were going to have an erection for their whole life and it was never going to come down. And, you know, semen was going to shoot out everywhere. And it was it was just obviously the way that it had been communicated was not the best. Um, And so that took a little bit of a while. But the the part of this story is when I said the word erections, nobody knew what it was and i've said that now in a few different lessons you know around that we've been doing and i work in the mainstream school and you know most of these kids can tell me more than i want to know or, or would know about um some areas of secular education and when i mention that word nearly i'd say a solid 80 percent, 90 percent of the time the kids have had no clue what i'm talking about I'd say, right, we're going to talk today and, you know, we talk about puberty or whatever it is, and is, talk about erection today. They had no idea. And I sort of then had to explain. And then I said, well, okay, what about, have you heard Boner? Or I think Stiffy, which I think is a, such a stupid name, but there we go. And then they kind of get it, like Boner, like, oh, that's what it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't actually know. What that correct terminology is, and I think that's so important. And again, you know, I link back to what I'm saying consistently throughout. You know, so far the the half hour, forty minutes that we've been on air, is that actually, although this this is a uh, a radio show, webinar, blog, James Clark rant um, around PSHE for SEND, you know, special educational needs or those with disabilities um, students. Actually, you know, there is a lot of crossover, you know, and then that's my biggest takeaway with with all of this is that actually there is a lot of crossover and using correct language for private body parts or anything that is slightly scientific is super, super important. Um, And I'm glad to see that Nathan, um, at and Copy, is uh, laughing this morning and not choking uh, on the cornflakes. other thing they said here is, you listen to children and young people. And that is so important. Yesterday, I went through the plan for next half term. And I said to my students, right, before we start lesson today, I'm just going to tell you because I'm going to start planning next half term. And this is what we're looking at. And we're looking at relationships. And these are the, the six lessons and things like that. And they, you know, they told me, we like this. No, sir, we don't want to do that. That sounds a bit boring. Not this, not that. And I was like, okay, I get it. But it is important that you listen and you respond to what your young people's needs are. You know, this is why I am. I don't want to say I'm very against because that makes it sound very strong, but I am quite against. And I, and I, and I, I, I do have reasons and I know, and I also completely know why people do it. So if you do this in your school, that's absolutely fine. But I'm not a fan of these, you know, pre brought, Package things that you can do, um, so you can know you can buy a whole department, um, you know, PSHE plan for like twenty years or whatever, and you can get it all in and things like that. Now, I'm not a fan of those at all because I think actually you need to tailor it to your school, and that's where that point there comes in. You know, listen to your children, young people, find out what's happening in your local area, talk to them about it. You know, if we look particularly. Uh, from my own experiences of working with young people with uh, additional needs of some form, I would always say that actually, probably talking about emotions and, you know, just personal space and personal awareness is probably more important in that setting or I'd put more focus of it in that setting than I would perhaps in the school I'm in now. You know, a mainstream school, you might talk more strongly uh, or more regularly about you know drugs alcohol smoking risky sexual behavior you know all of those things radicalization you know might be a stronger talking point or you might mention that more often because you're aware of your student makeup um you know what risks they hold than you would in another setting you know particularly if we look at uh, the statistics and we look at young people with additional needs and how often, you know, they are the ones who are more likely to suffer from, you know, mental health or depression or you know self harm or any of those things. So, you know, being aware of that and being aware of your student body is hundred percent, you know, I've got to agree with that, um, to to uh to the to the moon and back. Yeah, why not? Let's let's go to the moon and back. But that's you know what it's all about. And again, looking through some of these approaches, uh, being consistent with the language and all of those things, um, it is super important. And it is to be aware of it. And I'm I'm sort of laughing and uh, laughing, sort of smiling at myself talking about this because working particularly with uh, it with young people with autism in in the school that i'm at now or the opportunities that i've had to work with young people with autism at our school and and although we're a mainstream school we do have a specialist um autism uh, provision that came on site a couple of years ago and the idea is that you know they'll spend some time there these students but then actually they are I hate this word, but it it's the only way I think I can describe it. so I apologize for my choice of language here, but they can kind of be integrated um, in um, to sort of mainstream education. And I remember all chatting so many times and talking uh, to these young people and I would often go in and we sometimes we have specialist sessions or, or things like that. And just talking about emotions and relationships and all of these things. And this young person turning around to me and saying, you know, relationship, no way. I've been told that's not going to happen until you're 35. And I went, Absolutely, you are 100% correct. And I say it's my form, you know, in the mainstream school, although it's focused at the moment is on S and D, I always say to them, Look, none of you get in a relationship to your thirty-five, none of you get married. Until you're 40, if you want to. And ideally, just stay single the rest of your life. Um, But that doesn't seem to happen. Apparently, my year 10s are finding out about relationships in other ways. But there we go. (laughs) If you have just joined us, welcome to the Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with me, James Clark. We are discussing today um, not just about relationships uh, and my life, which is sometimes how these shows go. But we're actually talking all about um, PSHE. Skills for life, personal development, however you call it in your school, um sex education, particularly focusing um, with working with children with SEND and how you might adapt or not need to adapt um, some of those lessons to make them um, more accessible. Remember, you can get involved in the conversation by um, the Podbeam live chat chat app, or indeed going on to Twitter uh, at. TT Radio 2021, hashtag TT Radio. Or you can find my question talking about this on my personal Twitter um, if you can't see it on the main feed for Teach Talk Radio, which is at J A M C L A R 96. I am, though, joined, I believe, now by my guest speaker, Suzanne. So I'm going to play the funky music to get us focused and ready before I welcome in the fabulous and the wonderful Suzanne um, to today's show. Good morning, Suzanne. Can you hear me? Yeah, good morning, James. Good morning. How are you?
3: I'm okay. Just a, a morning of staffing <laughs> conundrums as
1: were. Oh, no. It's always a joy, though, isn't it? You never know what you're going to
3: get. Oh, though you just wait for that alert to come on the phone at 7.20 <laughs> to work out how many pegs you've got to fill 100 holes. <laughs>
1: well this is what happens when you're like you know pretty much the big boss or nearly the big boss or you know you're are you deputy now
3: yes i'm a deputy head now yes
1: oh you see the power the power (laughs) Uh, well welcome and thank you for for joining us today um you've told us already kind of how your morning's going so thank you for taking some time out to to speak to me Um, that's okay please tell us and kind of the listeners and people listening back kind of more about you your role and how you got to where you are now because I know you've been to a few different schools now um and how you you got to your place of being a a deputy head
3: yeah um so yeah I'm Suzanne um my role now is deputy head in a therapeutic um SEN school so it's um for pupils with really complex um additional needs with primarily PDA autism but also have experienced a lot of them significant life trauma um which you know when you put the two things together um makes for um life being incredibly challenging for them and then they therefore it um exhibit challenging behaviors um due to high high levels of anxiety um so that's where i am now i've been there two years um prior to that i've worked in a girl's school for autism for uh, several years and then a boys school for autism Um, and lots of people say oh must have been very different and actually the similarities are incredible Um, and I think it's really good that more is being done to showcase that girls do have autism it does present in different ways for boys um, at times but some of the um, key parts are similar Um, I've then worked in um, a specialist um, behavioural school and then prior to moving to Sussex where I now located worked across um, West Berkshire's pupil referral service across all their units from key stage one to key stage four. So I actually... Did my first year of teaching in the school that I did my long term placement in and was put on a because the school at that time, it was the time way back because I'm that old when schools <laughs> had specialist subjects um, and the school was a specialist science subject. And as part of that, um, they sent me off to deliver two hours a week to pupil referral services that was their outreach they could tick a box and I was used to mm-hmm. that um, and I loved it and um, so yeah in 22 years I've only done one year in mainstream um, I have, did do a cheeky year in a very um, high end private school mm-hmm. um, which um, has um, some royal connections and involved taking Girls to Eton for tea, which was a completely different experience from the pupil referral service. Um, But I did that in order to um, have my second child. So um, due to behaviour and the the extremes, I chose to take a year out in a slightly safer establishment. Mm. Um, But actually, a lot of people say, "Well, it must have been so different." But actually, you know, the, the challenges for the teaching just came from a different angle. Um, mm. you know, it was um things like, Well, I don't need to know this because daddy brought me three horses at the weekend. Um but parents' evening when they arrive by helicopter is um
1: something I won't forget. Wow. Yeah, just just <laughs> slightly different too, I know, and I'm sure we'll go into some of these stories of, of you know, slightly different experiences you've had in the classroom with uh, am I right in saying occasional things being thrown your direction?
3: Uh that that's a daily occurrence, things being thrown um, Stuff being hit, spat at, sworn at, verbal abuse. Um, yeah,
1: that that's part of our daily hourly day, which, which is just you know just incredible. And you just and, and obviously I've known yeah. you know had the pleasure of knowing you, Suzanne, for for a number <laughs> of years now. And I think actually just although lots of things we'd all be talking about is scouting, so it's quite interesting kind of learning this side. And your vast experience has been amazing. Uh, before we kind of delve into those and I think you know you're absolutely going to be the perfect person to sort of talk through some of these discussions about how on earth you know you've got literally young people in in a place of trauma and in a place of, of anger or, or mixed emotions and I guess not always anger you know I'm sure there are lots of amazing positive moments that we'll touch on as well later but you've got all of these emotions in the classroom and then later on you've got to teach them about emotions and regulation and you know alongside puberty and body and all of those stuff so you know that's a challenge, but before going into that, most important question that I always ask everybody on the show is: Dream breakfast, what would it be? What are you going for?
3: Uh, it has to be James. You know, that like the scout in me doesn't die it is um, <laughs> eggy bread. Yes,
1: but what do you have on it?
3: Um, I have it plain. My husband has oh. sugar on it with the ketchup and causes mayhem at the breakfast table. But that I go is... for
1: plain. No, no, no. You've got to have, and this is, you know, you've got to have syrup with some blueberries. And if you've got it, some bananas on top as well. Uh, posh camp, I tell you. <laughs> posh camp, oh. that is. Blueberries <laughs> and syrup. I know, I know. To be fair, I only get in summer when it's on the, you know, the blueberries and offer. Um, So what are your experiences then of uh, PSHE, RSH, however you call it in your schools, and um, particularly looking at topics like sex education in, in kind of your fields of work, um, how has it been delivered and i guess for this it's maybe focus on kind of where you are now or where you're at with the young people with, with autism kind of what are your experiences of it all
3: yeah i think so my experience of um pshe i've been lead for pshe in my last three schools um and traditionally i think that happened because i'm a science specialist at heart um I taught science in primarily all of the schools until now um so it was always the oh the science teacher knows how to deal with sex ed um, philosophy, which <laughs> is it, not yeah. the case. And um, science teachers are um, you know taught to you know trained to deal with the mechanics. The um,
1: I the... love that,
3: um, but <laughs> That's with, <a> good without. <laughs> that
1: without...
3: Uh, yeah and it is you know and it's very black and white the national curriculum and years ago you really would have teachers that would stand there and go nope can't talk about contraception because that's not in the science curriculum um go and ask the pshe or the re teacher they were the ones that it was re and science kind of got um and then i think um sort of barriers came down a bit and it was realized that we couldn't be quite as clear-cut as that um, and I certainly never was. I would never not allow a subject to be spoken about. Um, and um, I think that's the most important thing It is, you know, obviously there's boundaries and barriers within those subjects, but what's critical is that you allow pupils that, the chance to, to talk, to ask. Um, they have a curiosity. Um, and I think the real challenge with autism is, you know, that, they will take everything literally. So you therefore have to also, there mm-hmm. is no point putting any um, jokes into it or not saying what it is. You you have to be real, um, which can lead to some more explicit, more open conversations. Um, so I did a huge bit of work um, in the girls autistic school that I was in as part of our accreditation process. Um, and we looked at PSHE and particularly sex ed. so when we did PSHE on a rolling program and I'll talk more about how we do it now but we you know it was one lesson a week on a Friday afternoon mm. before assembly. Um, and we found it was becoming increasingly difficult with these girls and then due to some safeguarding matters that came about, we realized that we had some girls um, you know these are under the age of 16. Massively into Fifty Shades of Grey, um, researching wow, yeah. things like sex with dead bodies. Um, it has a name, but I can never pronounce it. Um, it neph-
1: Nephrophiliac or something? I think
3: that's it. Something along yep. that line. Um, so we had that high-end extreme, but we also had 14, 15-year-old girls that, you know, whilst themselves were through puberty or heavily going through it, still didn't quite know what their own breasts were or what mm. they were for, or what they were called, you know, in the same class. So how do you manage that? Um, so we we did a lot of work and a lot of research. Um, and um, what we did is we put all the girls from across the school, so from year 7 to year 11, into vertical groups, depending on what we believed their maturity was. Mm -hmm. so those that we knew were discussing 50 shades of grey um in the evenings were in one group (laughs) and those that didn't quite know what part of the body was was in another and then what we did which was quite radical is we then surveyed the staff team and said which you know what are you comfortable teaching because we then found the other barrier was that we Mm -hmm. had teachers saying oh i'm not talking to them about contraception i don't believe in it or you know it's that you know I, i'm not comfortable when they ask me what happens in sex um so we realized that was a, an inc- incredible barrier and with some work with um a, a very famous autistic lady robin stewart who is very much you have to say it as it is she encouraged us to go along this line so we match the staff to the children um oh. so um and that was incredibly successful Um, And I think if you're ever looking at a program and uh, a need to really think about what you're doing, it's a really good way to do it because actually it allowed us to really tap into their need. Um, And there's like a fantastic resource out there um, called planet earth, planet porn. And you look Mm. at different things and whether they are real on planet earth or planet porn, because the real risk with autistic um, young people is that, they watch pornography or access it, and it's, you know, airbrushed all different glitz glamour. And, you know, and the reality is when they, you know, finally have their own experiences, it's like, Whoa, you don't look like what I've watched and they can't yeah. process that. So it you have to go into that sort of process of this is the reality. It's not as you see it. Um, and that, that's really, really important um to do that um so that was sort of big experience in that school and i think that well where we are where i am now we have much smaller class offices this four um and we found that pshe became that one hour a week that could easily slip from the curriculum yes yeah. um it's primary model in terms of they're with their own team the whole day so it'd be in the PSHE book. Wow, well, we're in a bit of an incident then and we didn't do it or yeah lunch was a bit late it's not important we've done maths in english
1: yeah we could skip it
3: um so and um we um really thought about that and um thought then exactly what you said that um there's the whole emotion side and we're dealing with young people that can't necessarily understand their own emotions certainly can't regulate their own emotions and then we're trying to deal with these high-end topics um which getting them to sit down for a whole hour is again another challenge so everything's chunked very short in short so what we did our school's called Bramley we created a topic called Bramley time um Mm. which happens every day in every class around one o'clock so the whole school um allows this sort of drop down calm after lunch and a bit of play outside um and we've got pupils from seven to 14 on the site. and um we have that four days out of five because one day they'll be on a trip um depending on the class so four days out of five they have a half an hour session and it starts with 10 minutes of zones of regulation which are different activities looking at how to manage emotions how to identify emotions um really exploring emotions so they're doing that prior to doing the pshe then they have 20 minutes of their pshe and then they have five minutes of reflection to think about how they feel what how -hmm. they feel the lesson was um and what that does by being every day in these short snippets if they miss one there's an enough to carry back on the thread and the thread will carry on and then we use the question based model from the PSHE association not the SEN model because the PSHE model lends itself better to autism in terms of it's a question we're asking Mm -hmm. a question and we're exploring it Um, So, and then every room has a Bramley time board so there's clear resources to what they're doing um which is critical so we click to one topic question a half term and go deep into it um and that's the model we're using now which allows us to look at that emotion um and really explore
1: and i mean that's just yeah i mean it's amazing all the thing and i I love this idea that you talked about you know earlier about the one that you did in in the girls school where you had them in The sets based on what they knew and also and I think that that's amazing and and particularly matching up the teachers to their strength which is you know something I've discussed previously do you find that there's any particular topics that students really engage with or ones that are like oh my goodness right brace yourselves we're going to have to do this, but we know it's going to be a whirlwind and it's going to be difficult to get through. But, you know, it's only for a week or whatever it is, the length of time on that topic. So, you know, what are those ones, particularly with the young people that you work with that you find actually they do really engage with? And what are those ones where you find actually it's always a challenge or it's usually a challenge when we address this subject?
3: Um, PSH in general or sex ed?
1: Um, Either or. So both of those.
3: Yeah, I mean, PSHE in general, I think um, careers is probably the most difficult um, Mm. for children with autism because they don't, um, uh, and PDA, they don't have that forward thinking in the same way. Um, So that's actually quite a challenge Um, um, and we struggle with that. They're very good on sort of safety um, for a lot of our self-care so brushing teeth is a huge mm-hmm. subject we have to spend um, a large amount of time on. Um, l- you know, sort of that, I'd say relationships is difficult because the autistic mind and thinking about different relationships who has, whilst we have a lot of different types of families within the school, their understanding of that is difficult quite complex and quite difficult to to work through along with then talking about race and that they can get quite fixed. So if you talk about, you know, racism or you talk about um, people being homophobic, they then get stuck and then they're calling everybody that. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of the sex ed, the puberty bit actually is probably the easier bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And sort of talking about relationships, different type, um, it's okay, but the bit they dread, because you will get those questions that you know that every secondary school
1: um,
3: <laughs> pupil is yeah. thinking in their head, they come right out, like, you know, you know, does it smell? Is there noise? Is there, you know...
1: <laughs> it's there noise. <annoying. laughs>
3: yeah, it, it will be as blunt and as in-your-face as that, and you can't lie. You have mm. to be... Um, Really clear with what you're doing, you know, and it, it's a lot of the work that we did um, in one of the previous schools. You know, there's no point showing, you know, and you have to make sure material is locked away very carefully and you're looking, but you can't just show p- people a picture in a book of what um, sexual organs look like. They need to see a real picture, it can't be a cartoon mm. or a pe- picture on a worksheet. Um, to them to gain that understanding, um, so it, it's very, very clear, and you know, and I remember being told a story about, um, two I think they were Down syndrome pupils being shown how to put a condom on and putting it on, on a broom handle, um, and no,
1: I know they did going.
3: that. And they did that and they, you know, they were like, why didn't you use the condom? How are you pregnant? Well, we did. We put it on the broom handle.
1: Um, oh, no. <laughs>
3: and so you've really got to make things, sure things are clear and explicit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would say it's the the sort of, they're the sort of, you know, you're going in slightly tougher, but consent is very difficult. You know, these are pupils that can physically hurt, abuse, abuse, um, because of their own anxiety and um, the trauma that they face. So talking to them about consent, which is probably one of the most important things we need to talk to them about, um, because they are also really high risk themselves. You know, autistic children will do anything to be anybody's friend, um, which makes them incredibly vulnerable. Um, And so we have to really think about how we talk about that, what's private, what's not private, um, because their own boundaries of self are, are are not there so in the challenge i would say it's
1: those two areas that are tricky um and yes. I, and, and i guess i guess they kind of make sense in lots of ways because actually you know the two areas there that make the most sense or are the easiest to sort of teach are the ones where it's kind of more black and white to use that expression you know it's either, you know, it's the rules, it's the laws, it's this is how you cross the road, this is how you do this, this is... So I guess that, that kind of makes sense for the young people in particular that you're working with, as opposed to the ones which are more... I mean, gosh, you talk about relationships and exploring and all of those stuff, that's that's so complicated, even somebody without, you know, something like autism or the other additional just talked about. So is that kind of why it is such a more difficult?
3: Yeah, I guess... It's more difficult because you're you're not you're coming from an angle that you've got to really think about the literal language you're using.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um and think about not frightening as well. Mm -hmm. Um which seems quite strange. But also um it's that you've got sometimes that sensory processing difficulty as well um, so you're having to repeat and go through it and it's making sure that when you're repeating and you're saying it, it's exactly the same um, and allowing that opportunity for questioning but also mm. that understanding you know for you know, a lot of our pupils there's four in a class and they come in by taxi, go home by taxi they are with an adult at all times On the site um they don't and they don't have necessarily large groups of friends they don't have that what a lot of especially the secondary age pupils have which is that playground chat yeah you know what they're learning is from tiktoks um what they're watching but they don't know there's not necessarily anybody sharing them with that they're exploring on their own So that's a very dangerous thing. And then, as I said, we you know we have pupils that have experienced some significant trauma, um, which you know may be involving um, sexual abuse. It may be involving um, witnessing you know significant events. So um, we have to be really mindful in that case as well. Um, And therefore, then their understanding or what is on at home or what's happening in the home it is where they're gaining their education um, rather than that broader, you know, questioning of, you know, I remember my own um, childhood, you know, everybody had a copy of Judy Bloom forever in their school bag and um, <laughs> Just 17 magazine and the problem page for reading under the covers in um, DT. So, um, and, you know, but you learn from each other um, and they don't have that
1: no absolutely and I'm um, I don't know who who is Judy
3: who's that Have you not read forever <laughs> Judy Bloom come on James no. okay
1: <laughs> I feel like I need to now do I you do
3: you do probably you know in its day it was sort of up there
1: there we go that's like you that's it uh, well I mean I'm aware Suzanne how busy you are so just sort of one sort of final question I guess that is you no, know, are there any, and you shared so much already, but from your experiences, do you have any sort of other moments or stories that you wish to share? And, and whether that's been a moment where it's just been really difficult and you've overcome something or something that actually, you know, do you know what, that worked really well, or the way we did that lesson worked really well, or when we tackled that topic worked really well, or actually it didn't. Um, and I know, you know, definitely one of the stories you, you do have um, is is my favourite one. It's one about Christmas. Um, But I'll let you sort of talk potentially about that one or or any other stories (laughs) you have about, you know, adapting, you know, lessons for those children with additional needs.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, adapting is... you you, uh, And I, you know, James has done lots of training with me and if he hears me say this, you have to know the young people in front of you. Mm. That is critical. What do they want? What do they need? And I think... um, the best PSHE lessons, especially sex ed, is those question box. Everybody starts with a bit of paper at the end um, and they write their question. What do they want to know? Um, because who wants to put their hand up and ask mm. if sex makes a noise in front of the classroom? <laughs> um, they pop it in um, and you don't sit there as a teacher and then pull them out and go, somebody's asked this because yeah. that's just not the way to do it. You You know the questions that you have to ask. So you answer them and say i'm going to answer all the questions throughout this lesson or those that have asked the question on this subject we will be dealing with that tomorrow um so i think i would say that's that's led to some of the most powerful um conversations i i think what teachers have to be prepared of um and i think it's probably one of my most difficult is that you have a lesson and then by talking about consent, um, you then get a young person come to you and make quite a significant disclosure because at that moment mm. they realise what's happened to them um, isn't okay. Um, and I think that's something that when I release any PSHE material around sex ed time, it's like, please be vigilant for safeguarding and please be vigilant for your own well-being. To the staff, um, and to me, that's paramount because you have to remember that. Um, But I feel that's lowering on a a, a quite a heavy topic for a Wednesday morning. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'll share my Christmas. You know, my involvement in um, scouting uh, has led me to hear many, many different scenarios, um, and it's about how we can get in our own fixed mindset. Um, rather than a growth mindset and I was dealing with um, a group of leaders who had some cubs which are sort of age eight um, and it was Christmas party time and Christmas um, making your ornaments time and they excluded a young eight-year-old boy from two evening meetings because his trigger for autism was red and they said well we're doing Christmas so he can't come because everything's red um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the reality is we can do Christmas, gold, green, rainbows, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> and I think it really is think outside the box. Can you do what you want to do in another way? Um, and um, I think that's really important. But I think well, also know your young people and know yeah. um, what they need to know.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, thank you uh, so much, Suzanne. I think there's been. An incredible amount of stories and advice and support through through what you said, and just so interesting. You know, it's such a different way of working that we both have. Although you know we're both in education, but it almost feels, in a way, completely different ends of the spectrum. But at the same time, so many similarities in the middle as well. Even though you know the mainstream with a class of you know thirty as opposed to yourself working in those environments where you've got children of, of four or five you know one to one but yet actually when it boils down to it when we're talking about relationships consent all those things the conversations are pretty much the same it's just the way they are delivered are slightly different Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for all of that i mean the final thing for me aside from saying thank you is actually you know if people want to reach out to you if people want to find out more um what's your kind of twitter or, or at sign that people can reach out and quiz you on because you've got so many more uh, interesting <laughs> stories and advice I know
3: um I my twitter handle I don't I'm not you know I'm old here I'm a
1: dinosaur James um is my, <laughs> no scouting, one,
3: is my scouting one which is at DCC diversity
1: amazing thank you so much Dan. what's the rest of your day looking like now
3: um it's looking a busy one of of meetings and yeah negotiating a, a site of Um, um, with uh, you know a a new pandemic or new sort of wave coming our way so um, yeah lots of challenges but
1: never a dull day for you is it
3: no never a dull day
1: (laughs) well thank you so much Suzanne I'll let you get off and I'll speak to you soon no doubt thank you Suzanne
3: no worries
1: thank you mate. bye Amazing! That was Suzanne View, deputy head teacher at a therapeutic uh, school, and what an amazing guest! Remember, you can tune in and re-listen to this webinar and every webinar/slash radio show on Teachers Talk Radio that happens. So listen back. Simply go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or TT Radio to all, and search up Teach and Talk Radio. Well, there we go. It is coming towards the end of today's show. Um, what a show we've had! Uh, some, uh, some, I would say, some, but an amazing guest um, in Suzanne. There. Today sort of giving her insights and experiences of teaching and PSHE slash sex education in environments that are very different to sort of mainstream education, whether they be a school for boys with autism or school for girls with autism, or even more specialist schools for those experiencing a trauma as well as uh, additional needs. And really uh, insightful and amazing to just hear kind of what's happening out there and how people are delivering things and I do say the same thing again you know it really is so much similarity between the two yet at the same time you know there are massive differences but the thing that makes it different is not the content because the content is the same it's simply the method in which it's being received so whether that's a smaller sessions we talked there about it being you know, in groups of, you know, four and maybe 20 minutes as opposed to groups of 25 with an hour lesson or whatever it might be. Um, Or the example that Suzanne gave of of working in an environment where actually the students were put into a room based on their knowledge slash understanding slash maturity and matched with teachers to help them with that. So, but the content and the wording and the questions, I think that's the most important thing. The questions remain exactly the same, uh, which has been absolutely amazing. So, so insightful and so thankful to Suzanne for having those conversations. But of course, the conversation doesn't have to stop there. We would love to hear more from you and more uh, about your experiences, particularly if you are in an environment of working with young people with SCND um, of any form. Simply get involved and join in the conversation, tune in, talk it out, hashtag TT Radio or find us on at TT Radio uh sorry, at, at TT Radio 2021. Or indeed, file a question on, join me and reach out to me on my personal Twitter uh, at J A M C L A R 96. And let's carry on this conversation. And if you would like to be a guest on Teacher Talk Radio for anything at all, please do reach out to us and let us know what it is you want to discuss live on air and have not just the nation, but international educators across the globe, um, chatting to you about. For me though, we are coming towards the end of the show, so I'm gonna very quickly play you your news update once more, and then I'll end with my final wrap up for today. Till then, here's your news update.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
2: On Monday, the government recommended the wearing of face masks in communal areas and corridors in schools in response to the Omicron variant. Teachers are now urging that this recommendation becomes a mandatory ruling, as it now is on public transport and in shops. Head teachers feel the advice for schools makes it difficult to enforce, and teachers would like the guidance extended to classrooms. Dr. Mary Bowsted, NEU Joint General Secretary said COVID does not recognise the difference between a corridor and a classroom and a failure to require face coverings in both areas in secondary schools is a misstep in the latest guidance. Dr Patrick Roach N A S U W T General Secretary agreed if schools are to maintain safety during the remainder of this term the government will need to accept that its messaging needs to be stronger. Face coverings have been mandatory in Scottish classrooms since November 2020. In Scotland, educational institutes are increasingly introducing gender-neutral toilet facilities. Schools in Dundee, East Renfrewshire and Edinburgh have all introduced these facilities Following warnings in 2019 from Scottish National Party politicians and by the Scottish Equality and Human Rights Commission that schools would leave themselves open to lawsuits if they did not provide them. Parents across Scotland have, however, raised concerns over gender neutral toilets in secondary schools, which can see 12 year old girls and 18 year old men sharing facilities. Harry Scott Scottish Borders councillor said, Why is it not possible to have male, female and gender neutral toilets which would cater for the needs of everyone? Why can that not be achieved in our schools? This has been your daily education news briefing.
1: and there we go uh we've come toward the end of the show today so just a massive thank you for listening and joining and don't forget to come and join me next wednesday uh, for the wednesday morning breakfast show between 7 and 8 30. to recap some of the things we've talked about and give you your last sort of tips of the day these are what you can do to support pshe rshe personal development and sex education whatever it might be called in your school uh, particularly those working with SEND. But as we know, particularly for everybody, because we all face similar or the same challenges um, in these topics. So number one is to use accessible words. Do not use jargon words or difficult phrases. Don't use slang words. Speak slowly and clearly and break information down. Go at a slow pace. Give breaks. Keep checking child's understanding. Give examples. Give extra time and do not patronise. And most importantly, as we heard from our guests earlier on, and it's a key one that's come up countless times before: get to know your young people. Ensure that you know in the room what it is they want/slash need to know. The example that Suzanne gave of having a question box in the classroom—you know, you know the questions you're going to get—but not everybody's going to feel comfortable enough to put their hand up and ask that question you know I I think we forget that actually we're the same as adults you have a staff meeting you know not everybody's going to feel comfortable to put their hands up and go oh I want to ask this so whatever it is make sure you get involved and use the advice we've had here but also share your advice share your stories how are you using and doing PSHE sex education in your schools for me though that's all have a fantastic rest of the day however you're spending it And thank you for spending part of your day with me here on Teachers Talk Radio. Until next time, stay safe, speak soon.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.